As a scripture lesson, I have chosen to read from the book of Acts, the 15th chapter. The book of Acts, the 15th chapter. We'll begin reading at the first verse, Acts 15, 1. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders came together for to consider of this manner, matter, and when there had been much dispute, disputing or discussion, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost as he did to us. And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved, even as they. That's the first 11 verses of Acts 15. We're continuing our study of the first century Christians. I'll remind you again why we use this term and uh, how, what it means to us. There was a letter from George F. Towns. He's now dead. He was a brother of Charles Towns of Greenville who won the Nobel Prize for his invention of the laser. Anyway, he wrote a wonderful letter to a friend of his at the University of South Carolina and we had talked by phone. Anyway, this paragraph was very good where he said, It is interesting to find, after all these centuries of Hellenistic or Greek constraints, the Bible still has the power to recreate the atmosphere, Jewish, Messianic, and apocalyptic, which the first disciples probably believed. In other words, he was calling us first century Christians. And I so we've been trying to to determine what the first century Christians believed and how they lived and how that applies uh, to us. And I have come to the conclusion that we are first century Christians, and I, I'm proud of that, want to be a first century Christian as far as following the Lord and following His Word. The thing that I want to talk about today is the first century Christians and their relationship to the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, the feasts and fasts, and other orders that came as a result of the law of Moses. The thing we have to remember is that <clears throat> Jesus and his epistles, apostles and all of the early church were all Jewish. 
some people are, are quite anti-Semitic, don't like the Jews very well, but we have to remember that Jesus and his apostles and all the, the first uh, members of the church were, were all Jewish. Uh, Jesus' ministry was to the Jews. On more than one occasion, he said that he was sent not but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And uh, his teachings are for them and were really transitional. Uh, the rich young ruler, for instance, in Matthew, the 19th chapter, it is an example of, of this, when the young man came to Jesus and, and asked him what he had to do to obtain eternal life. And uh, so th this is how Jesus answered him there in the beginning of the 16th verse. Um, good master, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said, and why, why do you call me good? There's none good but one, that is God. He said, if you will enter into life, keep the commandments. And he saith unto him, which? And Jesus said, you shall do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man said unto him, all these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said to him, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor. And the young man was sorrowful because it said he had a lot of money. But if we came to Jesus today and said, Lord, what should we do to obtain eternal life? Would he tell us to keep the Ten Commandments? No, he wouldn't. This was transitional. Jesus was speaking to Jews. And this was the, still the period of the, when the law of Moses was in effect. And so this is what he told the young man. Another example is in Mark, the first chapter, where there was a leper that came to Jesus and prayed that he would cleanse him. And it said that Jesus had compassion on him, and so he touched him, and he made him clean. And uh, what did he do then? He said, uh, go and show yourself to the priest. Uh, this 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 sounds strange, but what it amounted to was that under the Mosaic Law, if a, there's a great big section in the Mosaic Law about leprosy, because it was a common thing in those days, and so he said, if someone felt that their leprosy was had run its course or they were clean, they had to go to the priest to certify a cure. Otherwise, lepers were forced out of the camp into a separate place, just like we had leper colonies for so many years in the United States. But this is the law of Moses that says, if you feel that you're cleansed of leprosy, go and show yourself to the priest who will certify that you're cured so that you can come back in among the congregation. So here again, you have the Mosaic law, Jesus telling him what to do. In the fifth chapter of Matthew, and here, this is in the Sermon on the Mount. A lot of people say, oh, it's just wonderful. All we've got to do is keep the Sermon on the Mount. But Sermon on the Mount uh, was definitely transitional, was given to the Jews, not given to us. In fact, the fifth chapter and the 17th verse, he said, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Verily I send you to heaven... And earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass in the law till all be fulfilled. 
And then he went on to say, Whosoever therefore shall break one of these commandments shall teach men so he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven or God. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of God. So here you have him uh, not uh, replacing or doing away with the law, but saying that you had to keep it. And uh, he came to fulfill it. Of course, you and I see in this that uh, he came to fill it to the full. Uh, what it is saying that there is no man that had ever come before Jesus who could, could fulfill all of the law of Moses. As I recall, there are about 614 mitzvahs in the Mosaic law. Mitzvah is a command. So in other words, there's over 600. There's nobody on this earth that knows all of them. Therefore, the chances of going against one of the laws of Moses was very probable because nobody could keep all of them. Nobody except Jesus Christ ever had kept all of them. And he came and filled it to the full and in our mind to, to actually eventually take it out of the way. The thing of it is, when we think of Jesus and the apostles, they met at the temple and the synagogue. Many times it talks about Jesus coming into the temple. And many times it talks about him going into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, standing up to read and sitting down to teach. So we know that as Jews, they did go to the temple and they did go to the synagogue. You might say that it is a rule that the law of Moses was to be kept till Christ died. In other words, there was the, there was the break. Galatians 3 is plainly showing that it was added because of transgression till the promised seed should come. He said, we're under a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. But when we've come to Christ, no longer under the schoolmaster. So you see that there is a, as a, a cutoff there, as it were, between uh, up to the, the, the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. And then uh, there was the beginning to be a change when we're going to the church, which was not under the law and never did never did, was under the law, never would be under the law. So the thing that we're, we're talking about is the early church. Uh, Pentecost was the great change. Remember, it was about 50 days after Passover. Jesus had spent 40 days showing himself to them as being alive. Well, on Pentecost, uh, they were together in one place when... They were immersed in the spiritual gifts and began to speak with other languages. And uh, Peter preached that wonderful sermon where 3,000 people answered the call and were baptized. Well, the church uh, multiplied, but they were still all Jews. All Jews and all proselytes. Until you get up to the 10th chapter of the book of Acts, when we are introduced to Cornelius, who was a Gentile. Up to this time, they were added by the thousands to the church. 
but they were all Gentile or all Jews rather, and no Gentiles, till you come uh, to Cornelius. And his was a wonderful story. He was lived at Caesarea, and uh, he was a centurion of a band called the Italian Band. That was he was in the service of the Roman army, but he was a devout man. He feared God with all his house, gave alms, and prayed. And he, he saw in a vision that a man was coming to him that with the word of God would tell him how to become a member of the family of God. Well, we know that, this, that Peter is the one who received the vision. In fact, if you would uh, get an idea of how strict Jewish these people were, when uh, Peter saw this vision of a sheet uh, held together at the four corners full of all unclean beasts with the command, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. He said, Well, Lord, you know I've never eaten anything unclean in my life. And so the, the, did the, the Lord did this three times, each time, saying what I've called clean, don't you call unclean. Peter finally got the message. He was saying that the Gentiles who'd always been considered unclean by the Jews, were now to be accepted. And so Peter went. And uh, Cornelius and his family all became obedient to the faith and were baptized. And then they were also baptized in the Holy Spirit. They received the spiritual gifts just as the twelve did on the day of Pentecost. This was a special event to uh, to prove to the Jews that the Gentiles were to be accepted into the church. That so-called baptism in Holy Spirit happened only twice, once to the apostles and once to Cornelius and his apostle and his family. It did not take the place of water baptism. In fact, uh, Peter said, uh, is there anything uh, here to forbid us that these people should not be baptized? And so they were immersed in water. So anyway, this was the beginning of the Gentiles coming into the church. But it was a, it was a, caused a problem because before the church members had all been Jewish. Now you have a Gentile brought into the church. What do you do with him? Well, when we were in our scripture readings, the 15th chapter of the book of Acts, you have certain Pharisees and others that had come to the Christian belief and had joined the church were saying, well, these Gentiles have to be circumcised and keep the law of Moses or they can't be saved. And so Paul and Barnabas were greatly troubled by this because they were up there at Caesarea Philippi ministering to the Gentiles on an equal basis with the Jews, sitting side by side, eating together, worshiping together and here now they're being told that these Gentiles were to be separated because they had not been uh, were not keeping the law of Moses so the one way to to decide this and that was to go up to Jerusalem and they had the first church of God conference this is what this was it was uh, it was uh, not a convention they had no delegates you had the church you had the apostles you had the elders you had the people, you had the brethren. They all came together and one by one the different people stood up. And Peter told about 
the, cor the conversion of Cornelius and how wonderful it was. And one by one, when they spoke, James said, <clears throat> well, Simon Peter has declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. This agrees with the words of the prophets. And so anyway, he, the, the conclusion was, well, why are we going to put a burden on these people that we nor our fathers could keep? And so anyway, they, they, they got together here and, and they came to this conclusion. And this was a, the decision as given in verses 22 to 29. Then pleased it the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Barsabas, and Silas, chief men among the brethren. And they wrote letters by them after this manner. This is the letter. The apostles and elders and brethren send greeting unto the brethren which are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your souls, saying ye must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good unto us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have sent therefore Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that ye abstain from meats offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, from fornication, from which if ye keep yourselves ye should do well. Fare ye well. This was the letter. So you see that there, there were certain things that, that probably were um, sensible and practical that they were not supposed to do, but he didn't say, keep the law, keep the Sabbath, and so on and so on. In other words, they delivered them from this yoke. And Jesus said, and as we sang in this song, my yoke in, is easy and my burden is light. Uh, he was a carpenter and his main job was making yoke for oxen. And so he's saying that the yokes that I make are easy. We still have a yoke. We still <clears throat> keep the commands and the words of the Lord. But they're not a heavy yoke and they're not a heavy burden. They decided at that first Jerusalem conference in Acts 15 that they should not keep the law of Moses, should not be circumcised. So this, as far as we are concerned, was settled for all time. That the church from that day forward uh, would not command or demand that the Gentiles who came into the church should keep the law of Moses. But there were still problems. In fact, I think that it's very interesting when you get over into uh, Galatians, the second chapter, that you have Paul and Peter uh, at odds. And uh, the reason was that uh, Peter came up to Antioch where the church was mixed, Gentile and Jewish, and they were not keeping the law of Moses. And uh, Peter came up there and he said before that, uh, others came from James, Peter ate with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled them likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas 
was carried away with her dissimulation. When I saw, this is Paul talking, when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of the Gentiles, and not as the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as the Jews? So in other words, this, this was causing confusion. Because it's just like if, if it was our congregation, and part of us were Jewish, and part of us were Gentiles, and, and a Jew came from another city, up to this time we'd been eating together, but when this Jew came from the other city, all of the Jews in our congregation separated themselves and didn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. We would say, confusion, confusion. There would be a big problem. So, so Paul got right to the gist of it. He said, Peter, you're wrong. Uh, why do you uh, cause this confusion by separating yourself? So it didn't, the Jerusalem conference didn't settle everything right away. But it, 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 if we would accept it and live by it, uh, it did settle the, 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 per, the whole problem of uh, Gentiles coming into the church, not having to be circumcised, not having to keep the law of Moses. So then it is that when you go on in, in these chapters in, in uh, Galatians and Ephesians, uh, Paul talks about the grace, the divine, free, unmerited favor of God. Uh, that comes to us through Christ by faith. In fact, the, th the third, the third chapter. If you want to read uh, this wonderful difference about uh, who's bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, um, are you foolish? You've begun in the spirit. Now you're going to be made perfect in the flesh. Uh, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And so he said he justified the heathen through faith, the, the Gentiles through faith, through faithful Abraham. The just will live by faith. And uh, Ephesians, the second chapter, is that, that section where it talked about at one time we walked according to the course of the world. We're, you, we were all in the world, all of us here. We all walked in, according to the course of this world. He says, Prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. I've noticed there's a wonderful Hebraism between the second and third verses. Some would get the idea that there is a, a superpower someplace directing all things bad. But in the very next verse it says, Among whom also we all had our way of life in time past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath. That's, that's what this second verse meant. We're walking by the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the flesh, desire of the flesh and mind. That's all it meant. But then he goes on to talk about how God, who is rich in mercy, uh, what all, all these things that he's done for us, by grace are ye saved through faith, that not of yourselves, this grace, this salvation is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Law is works. Christ is faith. These are opposed to each other. 
We either save by one or the other. And we can't save ourselves by our works because it's impossible. It's impossible for anybody to keep all of the 600 plus mitzvahs in the law of Moses. Therefore, we should be happy that God has delivered his people from that. In fact, Paul was so strong in regard to uh, the law of Moses, he said in the book Colossians, the second chapter, the 16th and 17th verses, let therefore no man judge you in meat or drink or in respect of a holy day or of a new moon or of the Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. So he's saying, we're not out, we're not judging anybody. We're we're not out, set out here to to judge anybody about whether they're not they're keeping the law of Moses. And he said, don't let any man judge you, because we're we're in Christ, and this is different. So this is this is what Paul was teaching. So. There is a problem even to this day. I have some very good friends that are members of the church and out of zeal toward God. They say, well, I love God. I want to do everything I can for God. They say, I'm going to start keeping the law on top of faith. Can't do that. You can't do both. In fact, Paul said in Galatians 5, you've been made free in Christ, not in the law. If you go back into this, he said, you're fallen from grace. In other words, you can't do both. He says, stand fast in that liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. That's the law of Moses. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. But I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. Now that is dangerous. In other words, we've been told we can't be saved by works and we're to be saved by grace, well, if we think we can take on the works of the law, we're not going to be saved. It's that plain. Uh, I'm not one of those. In fact, I could put up a sign in my yard saying the Ten Commandments, you know, holding up the Ten Commandments. All law, English, American, all law is based on the Ten Commandments and the Mosaic Law. So we're not saying that all of the things that it forbids are okay. We're not saying that people should remove it, but we're just saying we're not under it. The danger is that if we live under the law, we will judge by the law. In fact, I am very plain in teaching through the years that the Mosaic Covenant, the Mosaic Law, has not been taken out of the way. Some people in the church teach that. I do not teach that. It's still in existence. Israel will be judged by the Mosaic Law because they're living under it. And everybody else that chooses to live under the Mosaic Law will be judged by it. So it's still in existence. 
but we're not under it. Never have been. Never will be. In fact, in, in our, our Sunday school lesson, we're teaching who is speaking, to whom he is speaking, why is he speaking, and for what time. If you answer all those questions, you will see the law was never given to the church. It was given to Israel. And for what time? It was given until the promised seed should come, Jesus Christ, who would die as the perfect sacrifice. The law was given because of transgression. That's what Galatians 3.19 says. That's where it talks about it being the schoolmaster to bring people to Christ. Uh, it had its purpose. The, one of the main purposes was to make sin sinful. To make sin so that you could bring people to conviction and punish according to that law and that sin. That, that was one of the reasons. To, to let people see themselves that, they, that all, everybody has come short of the glory of God. Every man is a sinner and there, there's no law that could justify or bring life. In fact, I like to explain it as the Mosaic Covenant being a codicil. A codicil is a, a condition that's been added to a will. You make your will. And then along comes Junior. You didn't know he was there. And he, so you make a codicil to include him. So it puts a condition. So the Mosaic Covenant was a codicil that was added to the Abrahamic Covenant to make sin punishable and to show people Christ by all the types and shadows. That was its purpose. So it was not for us. Never given to us. Never should, we never should keep the law. There was a law of right and duty that preceded and succeeds the law of Moses. The law of right and duty said it was never been right to murder. It's never been right to have other gods before God. It was never right to take God's name in vain. These were never right even before there was a Ten Commandment law that said you shall not. So, we're not under the law, never have been, never should be. So the thing that I am saying to you, as it was decided in the early church, in Acts 15, in that first Church of God conference, that we are to love God, to love our neighbor, and to fulfill the law of Christ in our way of living with other people. God bless us in our freedom.